We look at the politicians that say one thing and live another. You don't have to go far and find that trusting other people is not easy these days. Today's sermon, we're talking about trust, and we're going to be looking at a couple of aspects of trust. We're going to be looking at trust between us as people, and then we're going to be looking at trust between us and the Lord. And how do they relate, or how might they be different, and maybe how do we start living our lives, maybe differently, because we're going to see something that's, I believe, going to open our eyes because it has to me. You know, we think of the different things that cause us not to trust other people, like I mentioned, but there's times where I think we go and we say, I don't know that I can trust the Lord. Earthquakes happened in Mexico this week. There's wars that are continuing around the world, and we say, Lord, where are you? Maybe there's things going on in your life, and you're saying, Lord, where are you? Where have you been? You're not hearing me. You're not answering me. I don't know that I can trust you. We're going to dig into some of that today. You see, when we have this idea of trust, I think I could go around and all of us could give an an example of what trust means. You, You could certainly tell me your ideas of what trust is, and I think a lot of us will have similarities, but they will be different. As a matter of fact, I thought, well, I'm going to see if Facebook is anything different than us having a conversation. And so I put on Facebook that uh, I wanted to have a definition from different people on what trust means to you. Give me a definition. And I had all kinds of things. I'm not going to read them all to you. I had like 17 people respond, which is kind of fun. Somebody said there's, you know, it's faith in another person, believing in them. Somebody else had said, that uh, it's believing that others will come through with what they said would happen. Trust. Somebody else said it just simply means no doubt. One person, uh, actually it's funny, my daughter, my, uh, she just recently received a Facebook. My daughter Natalie, she's 15 years old, and uh, the wisdom that I feel came out of her was incredible. And allow me a moment. I asked her if I could share this. She said, yeah, so you're not totally on the spot, Natalie. She said, trust is this, putting something of high personal value into the hands of someone else's without knowing the final outcome. Wow. Wisdom right there, girl. The dictionary says that the definition of trust is a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or the strength of someone or something. The reliability of someone or something. See, what's difficult, I find, as I was thinking through this, is we oftentimes want to use and define truth or trust with the word belief. But I think we have to, in our culture, be careful of that. Because the word belief and the word trust really, I think, carry two different weights in our everyday conversations. Here's an example. How many of you have ever, ever been skydiving? Anybody? Nobody. Okay. So, I'll tell you what. If you are watching somebody coming down that jumped out of a plane, they're coming down and you know that they're coming and they know that they have this backpack strapped to them, right? And you are believing, keyword belief, you're believing that that parachute is going to come open, right? But I promise you that that person that jumped from the plane, they're more than believing it, they're trusting it, Right? They're, they're hanging on to it with all of their life, and they have everything committed to that belief they are now trusting. So when we say believe, oftentimes I think we don't understand the gravity of what trust is. And I think that's why we need to get to the bottom of trusting. And what is it, and what is it all about? You see, the tr- truth is that believing in something does not necessarily mean that we trust in it fact that nobody else raised their hand saying they've skydived, all right? You see, the Bible even tells us that believing isn't enough, that there's this element of trust that has to happen, because in James chapter 2, we're told that the demons believe in God, yet are not going to heaven. They believe that God is true, but they don't have their whole faith and trust in God. That ought to rock us a little bit if we think that our salvation is based on our belief rather than our trust. 
So we're going to look at two elements of this concept of trust. First, the human trust, our man-to-man engagement. And then we're going to look at godly trust and how does that relate or conflict and what are we supposed to do? Human trust. Who here has ever been let down by somebody else? Yeah? Okay. If you haven't, you're lying to me because it's not the truth unless you don't meet with anybody. Yeah, we all get engaged and we all have conflict that removes some of that trust. And when you do that, you lose trust in that individual. You see, trust among people can be earned and it can be lost. You can gain it and you can lose it. Maybe you had an employer that committed to you that you're going to get a bonus at the end of the year and it never showed up. Maybe you had a family member that promised that they will always be with you, but they left. Maybe you know somebody that lived a very healthy life and they passed away early. There's these things in life that cause us this conflict, and and when this conflict happens in our life, it either gains trust or it doesn't when it's among others. So I'm thinking through this, and I'm thinking, well, what does it take to re-earn the trust that's been lost? It takes work. I think you've all experienced that. I know I've experienced that. You see, I think that there's, there's degrees of mistrust that can happen among people. And a little, a little mistrust can be easily restored. When I was in high school, uh, I was on the swimming and diving team. And uh, with the men swimming and diving at the time, it was, a, it was a fall sport. This was getting toward the end of our time with the swimming and diving. And as you know, in Minnesota, I grew up in Coon Rapids, in Minnesota, late fall gets cold, right? My mom was awesome. She always, always took care of me. When I was done with swimming and diving, I'd go outside and there was my mom, always ready for me to be picked up. So one day I get done with my swimming and diving practice and I'm all bundled up. My hair's still wet. I'm just, I'm all trying to stay warm and I'm waiting for my mom. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. I'm cold. As I'm waiting, I'm getting angry. I'm like, where is my mom? Why isn't she here to pick me up? She's supposed to be here. Never came, never came. Well, when I left the doors of the school, the doors locked behind me because it was late in the day. So I had to wait for somebody else that was coming out to sneak in the door and give my mom a call. She's like, oh, I totally forgot. So then I had to wait longer for her. See, at that moment, she lost some trust in my heart. But again, that was a small thing because by the next day, she showed up and everything was just fine. I had trust in her again. That was a small thing that was able to be recovered very, very quickly. But there are deeper broken truths or trusts in others that will take longer to earn the trust back. Maybe at some point you had a foreclosure on your house. The bank says, I'm not going to forgive you. I'm not going to forget that mistrust. For seven years. Maybe you had a, a spouse that cheated on you. Maybe your employer again treated you mis they mistreated you. Maybe you have a child, even a grown child, who did not treat you as your parent as the parent very well, and you've lost trust in that person. There's a, a deep trust that takes time and effort to regain. Kids, maybe you had a teacher that did or said something to you that you lost trust in them. So how do you know when you've truly regained that trust? Maybe you are the one that caused the mistrust in the relationship. How do you know when you fully gained that back? Well, to be honest, I don't know if that ever really happens in a human-to-human relationship. I think there's always this sense and this question, will this happen again? Is it going to go back? Boy, I hope it doesn't go back. There's always a chance for broken trust among humans. Because our human trust is conditional. It's based on what can be given and be taken away. See, some of you, I know you don't trust easily because you've been broken and hurt so often in your life. 
Trust doesn't come naturally. And when you do trust someone, there's some hesitancy. I don't know how far I can go with this. That's the reality of our relationships. You see, here's the thing, as, as I've researched this and really kind of dug into this, trust or mistrust in others has to do with your expectation of something from another person and it either happening or not happening. So let me say that again. If you expect something from somebody else and they do it, they've gained trust in your eyes. But if you expect something from somebody else and they don't do it, they've lost trust. That's our human condition, and that's a part of our reality. I'm not sharing anything that you don't already know. I think we're just kind of defining some things. You see, when we, when we lose trust, that person is now in negative territory, and there's an effort that needs to happen to gain that back. So that's human trust that I think we all can understand and relate to. I think the challenge is now, what is that, how does that relate with God? How do we take the trust in God? As we read through Scripture, you see, trust the Lord, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. How does this work with God when I look among my people and I say I have elements of trust and mistrust? See, I don't know about you, but I certainly have had times where I've been angry at God. Shaking my fist at him and said, Lord, I've been praying and praying and praying for this, and you've never come through. Maybe you've been praying for your child to turn to Jesus, but you see no results. Maybe you've been praying for better health, and you just continue to go downhill. Maybe you've been praying for financial stability, and you seem to be in a worse off position today than you've ever been. Lord, where are you? I don't know that I can trust you. You see, you and I get angry with God because we think we know what ought to happen. And when God doesn't come through, we lose trust. We take our human conditional trust and we transfer that to the Lord. You might be here, just to be quite honest with you, and you've, you could say you've not trusted the Lord in a very long time. There was one significant point in your time in your life when you say, God, I needed you here, and you didn't show up. You come probably pretty regularly to church, but there's this image that you want to uphold that you trust, but in reality, it's not so much. See, there's... A caution for if that is you, because that turns a relationship with God into a religion, an effort to appease. And I believe that that truly grieves the Lord's heart. So, could it be that our mistrust with God is based on some faulty understanding? Could it be that we aren't, we aren't quite seeing and, and, and putting our trust in the Lord like we ought to because we have these conditional relationships here? Why is it that our trust in God is totally dependent on Him coming through with what we think it should happen? You see, Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9 says this, which maybe many of you have heard many times. It says this, "'My thoughts are not like your thoughts.'" says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than yours. Let's take a moment and let's, let's explore what it truly means to trust God. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open it up to Isaiah chapter 40. We're getting to the passage finally. Maybe you're thinking, come on, we're in church. Get up in the Bible, right? We're here. We're getting into it now. Um, so as you open to Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to be looking at a specific word as we read a few of the verses there. Um, this is where I may need Pastor David Everson's help here. 
because uh, I am not a Hebrew scholar, but I understand you understand much more Hebrew than I do. Yes? Hopefully? Hopefully, yes, you do. Okay, so I'll tell you what. If I'm wrong, correct me, please. All right? I'm okay with that. So there's this one word that is translated in the Bible. It's, it's trust, as we see it as trust. So just a quick overview. The Bible is written in different languages. The language that it was originally written in was Hebrew for the Old Testament, Greek, mostly Greek in the New Testament. And so this Hebrew language, as if you know anything about other languages, they, they have a word and we try to convert it to English so we can understand it. Okay? That's what happened. This is a Hebrew word that was translated as trust in many of our Bibles. Okay? This word is kava. Kava. Can you, David? Okay. I'm looking at uh, Isaiah 55, it's the 31st, uh, sorry, 40, verse 31. Those who trust in the Lord. We're gonna, I, I gave it away, man. I gave it away. Trust. Okay, if I'm wrong, then you come up to me later because we got to keep going. Kava. Kava. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Okay, and if it's wrong, again, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm wrong. But what's interesting is that this word is used in a different spot in the Bible. And I thought it would be good for us to take a look at it in a different position so we can see kind of what they're bringing together. All right? So if you want to keep your finger in Isaiah 40, go to way back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 9, and here's what it says. Now, this is going to be fantastic. I'm super excited about this. It says this, Genesis 1, chapter, verse 9, says, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place. How many of you found the word trust in there? No, you didn't. The word trust has to do with binding together like rope putting something together like rope. And that word that we see as gathered together is kava. It's the binding together, the holding together. Yes, thank you. Yes, yes, thank you. Binding together, that word kava is now, we find that in our Isaiah chapter 40 verse. All right, so allow me to read this. This is from the NLT, the New Living Translation. So the different translations, what they do is they take the Hebrew and they say, this is what I see it means, and they give it to us in different translations. So you might have different uh, NLT I have, you might have NIV, you might have ESV. They just take the words and they try to give it their best definition of us so we can understand it. So this is what mine says. Have you not heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You see what I love about that set of verses? We want to get to the running and not being tired. We want to get to the not being weak, and we want to be strong like youths. But he says he's going to give power to the powerless. You've got to be powerless before you can gain power. You're going to give strength to the weak. Even youths, my kids... My little guy, Levi, he runs and he goes and he goes and I don't know how he has the strength and the stamina. I wish I could be like that again. Even they'll get tired and weak. Men will become powerless. We have to be powerless in order to gain the strength. You might be at the end of your rope right now. You might be at your last grasping opportunity to say, Lord, I need you to come through. I'm weak. I'm powerless. I can do nothing. And it finishes up with, but those who trust in the Lord. You need strength? Bind together your life in trusting God. Now, some of you might be looking at your passage in your Bible and saying, that doesn't, it isn't what mine says. Mine says something different. Um, 
This might be kind of odd for you, but I really like engagement, and, and so if it's odd, forgive me. This word trust is, is equally translated in other ways, which in English is incredible for us to look at because it, it puts this whole thing together. So if you have an NIV and you're brave and bold and willing to just simply share that, la- that first part of verse 31 with me, NIV, uh, would you be willing to just say it out loud for us so we can all hear it? Those who hope in the Lord. That doesn't say trust, does it? Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those whose hope is in the Lord, that's a different idea than trust, isn't it? Okay, now if you have an ESV, English Standard Version, would you read yours? Because yours doesn't say trust and it doesn't say hope. What does it say? Those who wait on the Lord. That's a totally different understanding, isn't it? When we in English think of trusting, we think, I I put my belief into it. When we think of hoping, it's a futuristic, I'm looking for this to come. When those who are waiting, it's saying, I'm not going to strive for what's coming, I'm willing to sit. This is is binding together, this is trust. This is trust. So we kind of talked a little bit about trust and binding that together, but I want to explore a little bit more of this hope and this waiting. Okay? Those who hope in the Lord. You see, hope can be had in your life and in mine, even in the worst of circumstances. We can have hope in the middle of the worst circumstances, in the middle of your illness, in the middle of your loss, in the middle of your loneliness, in the center of your fear, you can have hope. You see, hope is like clinging to God as if nothing, there's nothing else to cling to and anticipating His showing up. God, if you don't show up, I don't know what I'm going to do. If we can understand that when life is at its worst, God is teaching us something. When life is at your worst, you can't imagine it getting any worse. God is teaching us something. And knowing that God is teaching us can carry us through that trauma. I don't know about you, but I don't like pain. I don't like it. There's a book that I started reading. It's on, on the Kindle, and it's called Pain, the Divine Mystery. And there's a quote in here that I'd like to share with you, just a simple one. He says that character is developed in pressure. So pain makes us better even though it hurts. I've heard it said, and I use it often, God never wastes a good pain. Never wastes a good pain. I recently had a mentor of mine say to me, I hope I, I get it right, he said, this life is, the, is as bad as it gets. If you're a Christ follower, you know what I'm talking about. This life is as bad as it gets. Just think, this is as bad as it gets. So it can only get better. Amen. How interesting that in the midst of the pain and the, and the suffering and the what am I going to do, the loss, that statement huh, brings different perspective. It brings hope, doesn't it? Yeah. So I imagine right now you're thinking of a recent painful experience, and I'd like to try to think of one, if you can, that you've already gone through. You're at the end of it. And you look back at that painful experience, if I were to ask you, what did God teach you? Could you come up with something? So in the middle of your pain now, in the middle of your struggle and confusion, what is God teaching you? That on the other side, you'll be able to say, look what He did. Could it be Could it be that God is allowing another painful experience in your life and in mine because He loves you so much that He wants you to continue hoping in Him? Hmm. 
So that's hoping in God, and He'll renew your strength. What about the waiting? What about the waiting? You see, waiting can be incredibly difficult. You find that to be true? Incredibly difficult. <laughs> I'm using my kids' illustrations all the time. My daughter, Lily. Lily, wave your hand. That's Lily. She, uh, fantastic uh, opportunity this past year. So I think it was like October-ish. In their, in their school program, they had an opportunity to read like 500 minutes for the month, and then they'll get a free Timberwolves ticket. See, she's not big into basketball, but she knows that my son Levi is. And she's one that can plan ahead very well, and she's like, Christmas is coming. I want to give my little brother a gift to go to the Timberwolves game. So I'm going to work hard, and I'm not going to watch TV certain times so I can read and get this thing done. So October came, end of November, she turned the sheet in. She was super excited. She's going to get this gift for her brother. So then, that was the end of November. December came, and it was, you know, first week of December. We don't know when it's going to come. Second week of December, it's getting close to the end of school year, and the break is almost there. Last day, she's like, where is it? It's not here. She's waiting and waiting so she can give this good thing to her brother. And it never came before Christmas. How disheartening. How difficult that is. I worked so hard to get this thing for my brother, and I can't give it to him. See, she, she did a great job, and it's like, well, I'll give him some other things. And then after Christmas, I'll give it to him as a delayed Christmas gift. It came in January, which was fantastic, and I'm looking forward in March. Levi and I and a couple of his buddies and I are going to be going to a, a game, which is going to be pretty awesome. I'm super excited about it. But that was the waiting that she had to traumatize through. You might have even had some tears through the thing because it was so difficult. The waiting can be so incredibly hard. You see, waiting is believing that God will come through in His promises, not necessarily our expectations. Waiting on God is believing that He's going to come through with His promises in your life and in mine. It's not necessarily saying that He's going to follow through with my expectation. That's what waiting does when we wait on Him. You see, the struggle is when we have to come to the Lord with our deepest concern and when we receive no answer, we wait. And we wait. Friends, could it be that God is laying aside your good request for what He has that's best? Could He be laying aside your very honest and heartfelt and wonderful request? for what he sees is really best? I don't like that. So as, uh, as you know, the struggle that my family and I have been going through is just waiting on God to reveal ministry opportunity. Not just reveal the opportunity, but also for us to heal in time for that to happen. Uh, there's a saying that I'll bring to you here in a moment that I've kind of brought to I think the Lord put on my heart, which has been really fun. But um, so how many of you do Amazon shopping? You do Amazon shopping? Okay. I love Amazon. One thing that I absolutely love about Amazon is that when you click, put that in, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy this thing, you can, they send you something in your email. It's a tracking number, right? And usually you can click that number and it will tell you exactly what position your package is in. What drives me crazy is when day after day after day it says it's still sitting in the same spot it started. I hit click, it should be on its way, right? Five days later, finally, the tracking number says it's on the UPS truck and it's in Albuquerque or wherever it is. Then I can watch it and I know it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. That waiting for it to finally be put on the truck is very, very difficult. You see, waiting is much easier when you know that it's in transit. You can wait longer. It's easy when you know it's in transit. So my wife and I, we were talking, and, and we're like, what is God doing? Why is it taking so long? Why is this so difficult? And the Lord said to me, it's in the mail. It's in the mail. It's coming. Will you wait? 
It's in the mail. It's in transit. It's on its way. My answer is coming. Will you wait? Ooh, goosebumps for me. Excuse me, sorry. So if we were to flip that around and if God were to ask you and I, can he trust you? What would you respond? Have we earned God's trust? Can he trust us? You see, I believe that when, when God trusts us, when that increases, and that will increase as we trust His promises. Look at Abraham. Abraham, he trusted that God had a plan, even though he was ready to sacrifice his own son. Genesis twenty two twelve says, Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said to Abraham. Don't hurt him in any way, for I know that you truly fear God. He trusted His promise. You see, oftentimes God's trust in us increases through the tough stuff. In each trial of life, God is asking you and He's asking me, do you trust me? I love asking myself questions and working through these questions. Another question I ask myself is, how can you tell if you are trusting God or if you're not? Jesse, how can you tell if you're trusting Him or if you're not trusting Him? Based on what we've read today, I believe that you can know and we can know that we are trusting the Lord if we are, or you're not trusting the Lord, I should say, if you're tired of waiting on Him and you've lost all hope. When you're tired of waiting on Him and you've lost all hope, Proverbs 13, 22 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Is your heart sick of waiting? If you're struggling with trusting in God today, maybe consider praying something like this today. Lord, help me see this trial I'm going through in your perspective. And Lord, teach me your will and your ways through this that I can trust you more. So, what trial are you going through these days? What struggle do you have that you say, Lord, I don't know that I can trust you? What promises are you clinging to as if death is near, even though you don't feel it's the truth? What longing of your heart are you wanting God to answer? What prayer have you thought through and what have you brought to the throne of God and yet you've heard nothing yet? Again, I believe trust in the Lord is about holding to His promises and allow me a moment to simply read over several different verses proclaiming God's promises over all of you today. God says to you, I know the plans I have for you. I have plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. For the Father himself loves you dearly because you love Jesus and because he came from God. So if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And we know that all things God works together for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purposes. Those are promises you can hold on to regardless of your situation. So friends, today, I challenge you, I challenge me to kava. Bind yourself together with the Lord. Trust in God. Hope in Him. Wait for Him. Trust in God. 
Hope in Him. Wait for Him. Trust. Hope. And wait. Let's pray. Father, I know some of us are in deep despair. We seem to have lost all hope. We don't really trust you. And our situation really, really stinks. But I trust in you. Lord, some of us have lost people close to us. And we don't understand why we have to go through this. But I trust in you. Some of us are going through illness that we can't explain, we don't like. It hurts. But we trust in you. Some of us have been surprised by turns of events in life that we cannot control, and it doesn't seem right. But we trust in you. And we know, Lord, that as we cling to your promises, you will renew our strength. We will mount up on wings like eagles. We will not fall, and we will not faint. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesse. Let's stand together and sing this great hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.
this to be your benediction for today. Listen to the key words. This is out of Lamentations 3. It says this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on Him, to those who search for Him. So, it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. God bless you. There's people here ready to pray for you, I understand. And if you would like prayer, they're happy to do that with you. God bless you. Enjoy your week. Trust in Him.